2: This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Hey, Chief, we got a damaged RV on its way to the OR.
0: Well, that sounds like a job for the new head of RV surgery.
2: <laughs> Wait, are you promoting me?
0: Congrats, Martinez. Doctor- Well, that sounds like a job for the new head of nursing.
4: So you're just promoting everyone now?
0: Yeah, kind of looks that way, doesn't it? When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered.
4: See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms. Good music is what we want to hear. What do you mean, good music? It's what we dance to, what our children will dance to.
5: And if you don't want to play it, then take your records and go home!
6: you have a band? Good or bad? It's a great band. It's a bad band. It's like pizza, baby. It's good no matter
3: what. Like there's music in you
6: the air. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times.
4: And I'm Greg Cott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, Jim, what a show we've got. Um, we've got one of the... fun. you know, It's, it's rare that we can say... We have brought someone into the studio, onto our show, that is a true pioneer. One of the legendary figures at the ground floor of an entire musical movement. It's true. But I think the hype is totally justified in this case. We have David Thomas... And the band Pere Ubu, the legendary Cleveland underground avant garage band from That's the right. mid-70s. One of the inventors of punk rock, although
6: David disowns that. We'll he, talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, he'll, uh, and he'll play because Per Ubu, the fact is, Per Ubu is as vital today as they ever have been. And this performance will blow your mind. We're also going to review the new albums from The Game, the multi-platinum West Coast rapper, King of West Coast Rap, Self-Proclaimed, the first album in, in a while with any attention behind it from Bert Jansch, a founding member of the uh, 60s psychedelic folk movement, and a new Beatles album. Yes, yes, uh, 36 we'll years after they split, <laughs> a new Beatles album. What else is new? But uh, first, as always, we have some music news.
5: Hey, hey, uh, show me what has got.
4: That is Jay-Z from the new album, Kingdom Come, uh, one of the biggest rappers in the world, working for the biggest record company in the world, Universal Music Group. The news regarding Jay-Z and Universal is that Microsoft, that other computer company that is now getting into the mp3 b- business um, We're trying to apple's been kicking its butt yes indeed apple has got the ipod which is selling like gangbusters the most popular mp3 player in the universe if you uh, believe the apple hype well now microsoft is finally answering apple with its own version of an mp3 player it's called a zune z-u-n-e And uh, it debuted last week. The twist on the Microsoft introduction of its own MP3 player is that it will now pay royalties on sales of these MP3 players to record companies like Universal. It struck an agreement with Universal to pay a royalty for every sale of a Zune to a customer. Uh,
6: That's revolutionary.
4: Yes, because Apple doesn't have to do that.
6: Well, no, Sony invented the CD player, and Sony is also a record company. But, y- you know, aside from that connection, we've
4: never had hardware manufacturers paying royalties to artists via the record companies. I think it's a recognition that, in fact, these iTunes stores, these MP3, these legitimate stores that are selling music for which royalties are paid to the record companies, really aren't that big of a business yet. And who knows if they ever will be. But the players themselves are a huge business. The iPods continue to sell in the multi-millions, and that's where the real money is. And uh, Apple has not had to pay a royalty and has not had a- struck any kind of agreement with any of the record labels to pay royalties on this most lucrative end of the digital music business. But now Microsoft, I think they're trying to corner the market here a little yeah. bit, Jim, by saying, hey, record companies, come to us, uh, work with us, make a lot of music available for us to put on our MP3 players because we're going to be paying a royalty on each one of these devices that we sell. And the royalty sounds pretty small. About a buck, a little bit more than a buck to the record companies, which the record yeah. companies say they will then split 50-50 with the artist.
6: <laughs> but you know what? Let's it's... wait for the call from the artist who gets that check. Okay.
0: I'd like to be under the sea In an octopus's garden
2: In the shade He'd let us in Knows where we've
0: been in his octopus's garden
6: in the shade you know greg i love ringo star i really do <laughs> but i don't know if i ever needed to hear octopus's garden merged together with the strings from goodnight that is a sampling of the beatles new album love what love is is a spin off of the Cirque du Soleil production that just opened in June at the Mirage in Las Vegas. I'm not even going to comment on that. You know, the (laughs) Beatles in Vegas with with people in tights. Whatever. Okay. If it's your thing, good. It certainly is a lot of people's thing because Love Cirque du Soleil show has been generating 2.3 million a week. And is expected to run for at least a decade. Again, big bucks to be had. And so along comes the venerated Beatles producer, George Martin, and his
4: 37-year-old son, Giles. <laughs> they, they dove into this full-on, with the full-on approval of all the Beatles, all the survivors well, the of the Beatles. Beatles, Beatles yeah. yes. The, I don't know the, what George the, and John think. The Beatles brain trust, you know, including Yoko Ono, Olivia Harrison, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr. They all signed off on this. They thought, what a great idea. Harrison was good friends. With the uh, the founder of of Cirque du Soleil, and they struck up this friendship, and as a result, this CD was born. They wanted to create something new for this Beatles homage that Cirque du Soleil had created. They didn't just want to play over old Beatles track, and essentially, what they have done is created the most expensive remix record in the history of popular music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, I mean, right. They have remixed the entire. Beatles, uh, not the entire catalog, 37 but tw- songs. 26 tracks on this particular record yeah. mixed in with a bunch of other songs. So you've got these mashups where you're ju- where you're literally taking Beatles song A and Beatles song B and lopping them over each other. Giles and George, father and son, the Martins,
6: have been paying uh, no shortage of homage to DJ Danger Mouse, the New York producer who in 2004 took the vocal tracks from Jay-Z's The Black Album, put them on uh, remixed and reworked versions of musical tracks from from the white album aka the beatles and came up with the gray album right. a brilliant that's a real mashup when you take two things that that you know chocolate and peanut butter that don't go together you put them together right. and you come up with something new uh
4: that's a real mashup this isn't it's not so much a mashup it's like a remix well there are several examples of of straight on mashups we're going to play one for you here the entire album is not a mashup but it is remixed two discs yes. one a plain old cd disc can play on your your boombox if
6: yeah. you want the <laughs> other the 5.1 surround sound Remix DVD. No video on there, but this 5.7 once around, which nobody in the universe I know actually has. Yeah. I guess you can take it to a stereo store and have them sample it for
4: yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, uh, they keep, it, it's certainly an attraction for audiophiles. I admit, I, I don't have anything to play it on. We're low-tech uh, here the, at Sound Opinions. But the stereo mix, and it should be mentioned, is, is pretty profoundly an improvement upon the those Beatles CDs that came out in 1987 what they've done here Jim is they've gone back to the original masters which the Beatles CDs did not they went back to the original master recordings that the Beatles used uh, George Martin and Giles Martin and they played around with this original source material, and they used the best of modern technology to make it sound really good. I yeah. mean, the, the fidelity of this stuff is pretty uh, ear-popping, I'd well, have Well, let Well, let's
6: hear a little of it and then give our verdict. What we're going to play is the track that uh, combines within you, without you, the Harrison Eastern drone with Tomorrow Never Knows, the classic psychedelic epic from Revolver. Here it is on Sound Opinions.
4: That is one of the true mashups on this uh, very elaborate remix record called Love. That is a combination of two classics from the uh, the Beatles psychedelic era, mashed up within you, without you, with uh, tomorrow never knows. It's it's kind of fun. It's a it's a fun little trivial pursuit here. Uh, <laughs> that by the way is going to make the Beatles a, a another scadload load dollars, of money. Yeah. What it really does, Jim, is it sets up the fact, I alluded to this earlier, those Beatles CDs that were mastered in 1987 sound pretty crappy in comparison to this. So Mm -hmm. what they're really doing is putting out this teaser saying, listen to how great these remixes sound. So you can all buy it one more time. So now, in the, I, I guarantee it, yeah. in the next couple, three years, we're going to see all of the Beatles CDs reissued again yeah. with these new mixes, going back to the original master tapes. You know, these guys have become a major marketing corporate machine par excellence. No one can rival the Beatles when it comes to making money and making more money on top of more money. So that's that's essentially what they're doing here. This is not an essential Beatles right here. I'm more offended than that,
6: though, even, because this was a noble idea that was uh, executed professionally but without any real vision. As a critic was born the year the Beatles arrived in America. I've grown up with them my entire life, although I did not experience Beatlemania. I want Generation Y to understand the good things about this catalog. I applaud attempts to recontextualize the Beatles. I think the Grey album is brilliant. I think Paul McCartney's dabblings with the DJ youth as the fireman and the stuff he did with the Super Furry Animals, the Liverpool Oratorio, that's great. I mean, you know, take the stuff, rework it, make it electronic— open people's ears, don't just make us remind us that it's elevator music. This could have been so amazing, and instead it's a piece of product as superficial, <laughs> ersatz, glitzy, and, and, and commercially driven as the whole Vegas Strip. It belongs on the Vegas Strip, and that's about it. On these sound opinions, buy it, burn it, trash it. Uh, scale this
4: is a trash it record greg cuz it's so cynical yeah you you don't need it and it would have been cool to see a danger mouse you know get carte blanche. okay you go play around with these masters bring yeah. it, bring in an outsider and have him go crazy over those master tapes who knows what would, what this could have sounded like but as it is it's clearly a marketing ploy to set up the campaign for the upteen 3 issues of the of the beatles yeah. catalog and for that reason you've got to give it a trash it i'm with you greg and as you know money can't buy you love but love is all you need. All right, let's move on. Another newsworthy release, this time from a West Coast hip hop artist.
5: I'm the doctor's advocate. Trey shotcha, brought me back from the dead. That's why they call him the doctor. The math gon' drop him, and 50 ain't rockin' with him no more. It's okay, I get it poppin'. Whole club rockin' like a six four Impala. Drink Chris, throw it up, call it mm-hmm. hydraulic. Them. Send it up, call it sh- hypnotic. I bleed confident. spit crackish.
6: Greg, that is a track called It's Okay, Friends, One Blood, from the much-anticipated sophomore album Doctor's Advocate by West Coast rapper The Game, the 26-year-old West Coast rapper uh, known to his mom as Jason Taylor. Mr. Taylor told MTV News recently, if Straight Outta Compton never hit, this record would have been Straight Outta Compton. What he means by that, referring to the 1988 classic by nwa is uh it's the epitome of a west coast gangster rap album he considers himself the new king of west coast rap and he got a big push toward claiming that title on his last album 2004 the documentary his debut was produced by dr dre who uh is the doctor of the title the doctor's advocate here and uh dre is all over these lyrics But he's not producing the record. Dre and 50 Cent gave uh, the game his start. Now the game has split with that aftermath camp and uh, hired instead some of the uh, best red-hot top-dollar producers money can buy all of whom are paying homage to Dre's West Coast sound. And uh, as I said, many of the lyrics are about uh, he's alternately kissing up to, trying to get back into the good graces of Dre and that crew, and insulting them. Uh, That's one major theme. The other is the gangster rap standard tropes. He's a very bad man, very dangerous, he would have you know. (laughs) He has sex with many, many women, and he does lots of drugs. None of this is new. We are going to play the title track, doctor's advocate here on sound opinions
5: i didn't mean to walk away but i hear every word they say i guess my mind just drew a blank like that. Like, like. now i'm sitting in this dead eye cage reminiscing about my day with your blood all over my slate as the devil say drake like, hate like. me Turn my back on you, but I'm a man, and sometimes a man do what he gotta do. Remember, I'm from Compton, too. I saw you and Easy, and so I start wearing khaki suits. I was 12, smoking chronic in 92. I had a choice be like Mike or be like you. I made a choice, and I was be Crip or be Pyroo. Whatever I was, I was banging gin and juice. Never knew back then I'd be friends with Snoop. Now I gotta keep it gangster, cause it's in my roots. So I owe you my life. When I betrayed you, I tried. Hated him for that, black sh- track and that
4: is the title song from the new album, The Doctor's Advocate. Basically saying, man, I miss you, man. I miss you, Dre. So the game looked up to Dr. Dre. I mean, Dre mentored him, signed him, oversaw his first record. But then the game made the mistake of getting into a war of words with 50 Cent, one of Dre's other protégés that he had signed (laughs) and nurtured all along. And in this war of words, the game ended up the loser. Dre had to pick one or the other. He picked 50 Cent. He said, get off my label. Basically, the game left Dre's label, left Dre's production facility, moved to Geffen, made this record, named it after Dre, But it doesn't have anything to do with Dre anymore, nor 50 Cent, who wrote a lot of the hooks on that first record. I I see him as sort of like the Alistair Cook of of gangster rap. I mean, he's like the history channel of gangster rap. (laughs) Remember back when we were 92, we were smoking chronic when we were listening to the chronic Uh, and Doggy Style was coming out. And it's like a history. He's reminiscing so fondly. About this musical movement that came out of L.A. in the late '80s, early '90s, and he's referenced, he, he name checks everybody several times. Dre is mentioned more than 40 times alone oh my on God. this record. He mentions Snoop Dogg dozens of times. I mean, it, it is literally like this History Channel retrospective of what made gangster rap great, except that it's you know NC-17 rated. Uh, you know,
6: yeah, in, sure. the, in that song, "Too Much, Too Much Cristal in the Club Not to Get Drunk," "Too Many Blanks in the <laughs> World Not to Blank," "Too Much Chronic in the Studio Not to Roll It Up." Oh, you know, it's like, you know, hey, that is so old and played, and Kanye West, his mama, is going to be ashamed of him. Donda West is going to be ashamed, because it is the slightest artistic and, and most insulting sexist track that Kanye's ever had a hand in yeah. is, is Wouldn't Get Far, which is all about these alleged loose women who are the eye candy in all the rapper's yes. videos, and, and hop from one video to another, and from one rapper's bed to another. It, right. It's despicable, and when the game compares it to Straight out of Compton, let us not forget that along with Dre and the other boobs and NWA kind of doing the pandering to the street was Ice Cube doing searing, piercing political stuff with oh, yeah. blank the police. I no, mean absolutely. that is a track that if you if you heard that track in eighty eight, what happened in the wake of the Rodney King verdicts would never have surprised you. You know, there is
4: nothing remotely like that coming out of the game. No, he has nothing new to say and, and the style is slavishly hooked into that early 90s sound. He's not advancing. And this guy is really the first major nostalgia act that I can think of mm. in mainstream hip-hop. And he's been very successful <laughs> at it. But I tell you, the one thing that makes this record interesting for me, and I'm ready to trash it just as I did the the first record, which I thought was really awful, is this really weird personality issue that he has with dre and with 50 cent that,
6: that's because again, kevin federline talking about you know how he's got no money now because britney left him i mean but, you know,
4: who cares there's evidence of a real personality here is what i'm saying and it may be a, a sick weird twisted bizarre personality <laughs> but nonetheless a personality all all its own and from that standpoint sample some of this maybe burn, right. burn a couple okay, so, of these so tracks so to burn it from you i would actually say burn it cuz some of
6: the grooves are pretty cool i think will i am comes up with a cool groove and and you're going to want to hear a little of it just because it's going to be ubiquitous but but you know don't spend your cash on it
4: You're listening to sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. You're also listening to a little bit of the modern dance uh, classic early track from our guests in the studio in the next segment of the show. Punk Progenitors Pear Ubu with David Thomas as the lead singer. We're gonna have a live performance and an interview with them next, as well as a review of the new Bert Jans record and a Desert Island jukebox from Jim Deer
6: Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.
4: I'm Jim DeRogatis, a pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. We're here with uh, Perubu, David Thomas, Keith Molinay, Michelle Temple, Robert Wheeler, and Steve Melman. 30-year career dating back to the mid-70s in Cleveland. Been quite an amazing journey for this band. David Thomas is the one guiding force in the band in those 30 years. David... A lot of people are talk about Perubu as progenitors of, of punk rock, and if not Perubu, uh, your other Cleveland band, Rocket from the Tombs. Talk a little bit about that, whether that's a mantle that you uh, enjoy well, being saddled we'll,
3: we'll, with. We'll take on any mantle you choose, but punk, punk rock was a foreign, contagion, anti-American, multicultural, <laughs> corporate lunge at at selling blue jeans. And so no, we don't have anything to do with that.
4: Um so you were horrified by uh what happened with the, no, we're the not sex horrified pistols. By, No
3: no we're not horrified by it. it you know, certainly we we might have felt an affinity for some I mean our, you know, alike, you know, that's musically interesting. But no, I'm just um you asked me about whether we associate ourselves with it and is no and the answer is no. But mm-hmm. um
6: well, in the broader terms, David, we've talked any number of times, yeah. and I always find it so inspiring. Yeah. Because as you once put it to me, you, you consider yourself like those communists who, after the 30s, continued to hold the ideal, even though it was corrupted even in myriad ways. To do so. <laughs> I mean, when you were at 20 and reading Cream Magazine and forming this band in Cleveland and thinking, we can do something, Peter Lofner and I, and Rocket from the but I mean, did you ever think that half a century later you'd be sitting here in a public radio studio in Chicago and we'd still be talking about this, well, and that rock and roll would still have some power to you.
3: Well, musicians are marked by several characteristics. One of them is a lack of imagination, <laughs> by which I mean the ability to see a
6: better future for yourself. You're still trying to figure out what you're going to do when you grow up.
3: No, I know what I'm going to do. It's just <laughs> I, um, This is one of the earliest questions we were ever asked in 75 by some French person. How long are you going to be together? And I said, Well, gee, you know, we've been out here for just six months, and we are asking—they're asking, asking <laughs> us when we're going to quit. Um, and the answer was, Well, tomorrow, or thirty or forty years from now. You know, I don't. You know, this is part of the part of the weakness of character and historical perspective of many uh, music critics. Pleasant Company accepted in that you can't understand rock music or anything about it. Unless you perceive it as, a, as an American folk music, and that the rules that govern the principles that govern rock music are the same as what is commonly considered to be folk music. Mm. I always sort of understood that, and I figured that, you know, most folk musicians get old and tiresome, and I was hoping for that for me.
6: <laughs> well, David Thomas is older than he was when he started, and per more Ubu. tiresome, <laughs> and not tiresome. Dude. You you have a frightening reputation, perhaps for some, but well, you have never scared Mr. Cott or myself. I know, yeah. I try, and yeah. it is it is an honor for us to have you here, and well, you thank know you that very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> why don't Why don't you guys play us a tune? This is a new Peru album, and it is great. First in four years, and it's called "Why I Hate Women." You going to give us a song from that? Or, yes,
3: uh, this is a song called
6: "Babylonian Warehouses." The EML synthesizer fades into the distance. (laughs) Babylonian Warehouses, parubu from uh, Why I Hate Women. Thank you so much. Thanks. Before we get any further, David, you are an aficionado of using particular microphones for vocal effects. You were singing into a telephone receiver for for that too. (laughs) Is that an actual phone receiver? This
3: is an actual phone, yeah. It's
6: very low tech. Excellent. Some people have pedals for that. David brought his phone.
3: We don't believe in spending money when free will do
6: <laughs> that, now that was a key part of the punk ethic that uh, that got corrupted Robert over there on the you don't have a microphone so David can answer for you but uh, is that is that a synthesizer you built
3: the theremin is self built he'd built it in school as a shop project and he got a C on it. Rated C because he couldn't play America the Beautiful on it. I've heard that story many times. All right. All right.
6: So you're free to speak for him since he doesn't a mind. What is it about that EML synthesizer that you love, David? Is, I mean, that's one of the signature sounds of Perubu. Another, of course, is guitar. And, we, and man, oh, man, Keith Molinae is doing some great guitar stuff. But is, are there certain things that Perubu can't be Perubu if those sounds aren't in the band?
3: Um, the advantage of the analog synthesizer is that it's it's an uncontrollable beast, and so it won't cooperate in what what project of artifice you have going. Unfortunately, this Robert has to take the blame for it year after year. <laughs> when you say to him, what? "That's not what it sounded like. It's not supposed to sound like that, Robert," and it doesn't do him any good saying, but. But, but, but. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It has a mind
6: of its own. Yeah, in it theory
3: and practice are unrelated in Perubu. And in, yet, you... in theory, the the uncontrollability of the synthesizer is its strength. And in practice, <laughs> it's its weakness, which is usually the case with strengths. They are your greatest weakness.
4: Well, you got to love that ka- element of chaos. The element, as you said, of unpredictability seems to be a big part of. You can impose a certain amount of structure, but you like the fact that there is that element of. Anything could happen in in the middle of a song. Well, like, that's in theory, that's
3: the, yeah. In theory, that's the that's the deal.
4: Now you've you've got these parallel projects going. Obviously, Perubu here in the studio with us today. Yeah, also, the Pale Boys, your solo stuff, Rocket from the Tombs is once again a going concern, playing some amazing shows. How do you separate out material for those different projects? Do you see distinctive kinds of treatments, songs going I for spe- specific projects? Yeah, yeah.
3: It's very much like like a waiting at a bus stop and taking the next bus. So you you wait there, and the Paribu bus comes along, and you get on the bus, and you ride that for the length of the ride, and then you get off the bus, and you stand there, and the next bus comes along, and you ride it. I don't. There's very there's absolutely no decision making at all involved in the process. It's fortunate mm. that the music industry works on the cycles, and so you know you put out a record and you tour and you come home and you wish that you were dead and then you <laughs> start writing the next one and the process continues decade after decade
4: now the the new record why i hate women inner sleeve there's a uh, a statement this is an irony free recording right you've talked a little bit about the influence of jim thompson the pulp novelist mm-hmm. on on this project you're creating a character here we just heard a pretty riveting Account uh, in Babylonian Warehouses, I would imagine. Are all these songs from the perspective of this character, one character that you've created in this record? Uh, Or are there multiple characters in this record?
3: I don't know how to answer that because when I come up with an idea for the lyrics of an album, you know, you construct a backstory. And from that backstory, I like to choose one moment, one psychological moment. And that, to me, is what the album's about. It's about an instant in time. So. And are there more than is there more than one character? Probably. I don't know. I, I'm not paid to analyze it. You know, I'm paid. I'm paid for that moment.
4: Do you think people are understanding that this is in the voice of a character? I no. mean, are you getting? Gee, no. <laughs> David, why do you hate women? No, no. This is
3: one of the. This is one of the reasons why I ended up. You know. It, the name came to me in a bar, and it seemed to be – I was searching for a title that Jim Thompson would approve of. <laughs> so I knew it was going to be mildly vexing and annoying at various times. But one of the th- reasons – one of the prime end reasons why I decided just to go with the title is because of all this n- nonsense in rock music, this mythology that the singer is some tortured soul crying out in the wilderness. <laughs> they're just stories. you know They're mm. made up. Twenty-two year olds do not have tortured souls. I don't care <laughs> what they think. So yeah, I mean, this this notion that for some reason rock songs aren't made up, you know, is so it's laughable to have to say it, but I'm afraid it's true.
6: You've been playing characters from the beginning, though, uh, David, and yeah. and this notion of teenage angst and the misery that imposes. I mean, that that was fodder for plenty of Parov songs and Rocket songs a million years ago.
3: <laughs>
5: a great we concept. had a
6: very
3: unique perspective on it, though. Um, yes. This was really, I mean, if you can have post industrial and post modern, you can certainly have post angst. You know, yeah, was, yeah. The final solution was absolutely <laughs> written as a post angst song. Mom threw me out till I it's a copy of summertime blues and this punk acne faced teen is going to the united nations with his (laughs) problem (laughs) you know i thought you know i thought that was worthy of many songs you know (laughs) that sort of notion yeah
6: it's one of the best songs in rock history, Absolutely. period. And you are one of the most engaging frontmen in rock history. When I mean, I'm in a good mood. When <laughs> you're in a bad to mood, too, today. though. I mean, you know, we've seen you stomp around on stage, and you seem to become possessed. You're someone else. You're, you're no, I'm walk- not. I'm just, no?
3: I'm just cre- you know,
6: it's just a story. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, you, you tell stories with everything you've got to give to the story. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. why bother otherwise?
4: When you brought Rocket from the Tombs back around again for the first time in what twenty plus years, and that it just left my jaw on the floor. And where does that come from at this? You know, at this stage, you say, well, you know, you know, it's not about that anymore for these guys." And it was. It was this amazingly brutal, intense experience. Yeah.
3: Okay. Where does it come from? It's I'm a musician. I don't. Nothing's changed in the way I or we approach music in 30 years. So why shouldn't it be that brutal still?
6: David, as daily newspaper critics, we can listen to the Stones circa 64 65. And they're phoning it in. And (laughs) hear that brutality that was there once. You know, you see them now, and it's Vegas. It's a show review. Well, we're not the same
3: band. We don't come from the same background. We don't have the same dedication. They don't. Somebody doesn't have the same dedication to what they're doing. Yeah. It makes a lot of difference if you simply refuse to change your ideas because if you refuse to change your ideas you don't get confused you know mm-hmm. the rolling mm-hmm. stones i think i suspect have changed their ideas you have a good idea you stick with it it's like the bus. If you get on a good get on bus, line. you're going to take it to the end of the line. It's a good bus. If they're serving <laughs> soft drinks and candy and popcorn, you say, I'll go to the end of the line on this one. It's a happy <laughs> bus. Yeah.
6: Uh, let's let's take the bus somewhere. Are you going to play us another song from yeah. Why I Hate Women? Um, L- let's tell people real briefly before you launch into this. So you guys are... Touring as as you almost always are, uh, <laughs> pointlessly. And our listeners in <laughs> Minneapolis are going to be able to see you uh, at the Four Hundred Bar, and then at the Abbey Pub in Chicago. I think we'll give them advance warning. Good.
3: Do you want us to play now? Sure. Okay. Take it
6: away. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Perubu. Thank you so much, David Thomas and Perubu, for coming by Sound Opinions. It's uh, It's been an honor to have you guys here. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You can hear bonus tracks from Pear Ubu's performance and all of our live performances at soundopinions.org. You can also sign up there for our email list so you'll always know what's coming up on the show. We're gonna be right back on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media with a new record from the freak folk icon, Bert Jansch and My Desert Island jukebox pick. I
2: gotta get out of this place.
4: Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. What you were hearing there was uh, a guitarist by the name of Bert Jantz, and that is a song from his new record, It's called Hey Pretty Girl. The name of the album is The Black Swan. It's released on Chicago's Drag City label. I talked to Mr. Yance a few weeks ago. He claims that it is the first time he has been signed directly to an American record label. He is a native of Scotland whose career began in the mid-60s when he was playing guitar uh, in a number of uh, folk clubs around the U.K., and his first record caused a sensation his self-titled debut record recorded for about 100 bucks in his kitchen <laughs> blew minds around the UK and Europe among the people who cite Yancey's guitar playing in the 60s and early 70s not only on his solo folk records but with the progressive folk band Pentangle were Jimmy Page who uh, who heard Yancey's version of a traditional song ...called Black Waterside and turned it into Led Zeppelin's Black Mountainside. That was directly lifted from Yance. Neil Young has called Yance his favorite guitar player. Uh, The list goes on and on. His influence has continued over decades, and yet he is basically unknown in the United States, widely certainly among the record-buying public. And his, his primary claim to fame are all these records that he put out in, in the 60s and early 70s around the, uh, the acid folk movement in England. So this is quite an event, the fact that he has this label in America now supporting his music, distributing it widely in the U.S. He has also become somewhat of a, um, a godfather. To a new movement of folk artists Called Freak Folk I hate that term Freak it, Folk It's, it's what exa- silly. It yeah. implies all sorts of stuff That I don't want to know about <laughs> You know You, you think of mushroom chomping fairies In the field While well, strumming acoustic I guitars I like that Yeah <laughs> But uh, the number of artists Who have cited Yance As an influence In this new era Of, of folk music is, is Legion Well many um, of whom are, are on this You yes. know Drake
6: City Is not only a hip indie label yeah. It is the uber hip indie label <laughs> Of The Underground And you've got Beth Orton on this record and Devendra Bonhart, who is is pretty much considered the king of the new freak folk. David Roback.
4: Of Mazzy Star and, and the Rain Parade. Yeah, and, and uh, Devander Bar- Barnhart's uh, guitar player and producer, Noah Jorgensen, is the producer on this particular yeah. record. So uh, you have this young guard paying tribute to the uh, aging master. Yance uh, is now 63. He had a heart attack a couple years ago. But he is now touring the United States for the first time in eight years. Well worth seeing if you have not seen Mr. Yance in person. He is an extraordinary a uh, guitar player what made him extraordinary he was taking this folk idiom playing old scottish ballads irish ballads and transforming them with Infusions of jazz and blues uh, We had Donovan on the show a few months ago Jim, talking about exactly this mm-hmm. And Yance was one of those uh, Forerunners of that movement, bringing in these different types Of influences into acoustic guitar Playing. I think he was sort of blown away uh, In the late 60s by The Jimmy Pages and, uh, and the Eric Clapton's of the world who were plugging in and playing Electric blues. Oh, not to mention and Richard Thompson Fairport
6: a, Convention. A sure. lot of
4: this stuff got lost In the shuffle, but Yance, uh, his influence Remains uh, profound, and uh, his He's got a new record out, which sounds a heck of a lot like those uh, folk records he was putting out in the 60s. There's not a lot that has changed here. Uh, here's a track from the new Burt Yance record. It is a collaboration with one of his latest guitar students, Beth Orton, who rang up Mr. Yance and said, Burt, could you please give me some guitar lessons? Hmm. So she's been studying guitar with uh, Yance for the last couple of years. She sings the vocals on this song uh, when the sun comes up from Burt Yance's new record, The Black Swan, on Sound Opinions.
1: pa' querer
6: Beth Orton crooning when the sun comes up with one of her heroes, Bert Jansch, on his new album, The Black Swan. Uh, Greg, it's wrong to call it a comeback album because Bert never went anywhere. He's been making music pretty much consistently Mm -hmm. since the mid-60s, and no one has been caring. And there is a good reason for that. His Celtic ballads and Eastern European dirges and mix of all that is, generally speaking, enervating, tuneless, plotting and pretty much a complete and thorough drag. You can try to market this as, you know, the roots of freak folk, but it's 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 a yawn. It, it really is dismal and dire and dreadful. Oh my and God. I despise this album to the core of my being. <laughs> this is what punk rose up to protest. I, I like the era from which he came. There would be no Donovan, no Fairport Convention, no Zepp in its quieter moments without this guy. But, man, don't make me listen to him. You can try for a Nick Drake late career rediscovery, but those Drake records were really discovered because they were brilliant there's nothing brilliant happening in Burt Jansch.
4: oh I don't know the guitar playing is pretty damn brilliant Uh, there are still schools and schools of guitar players I mean he had Johnny Marr playing on his last record I mean these guys are lining up at his door to play with the guy Learn from him. No one has played uh, folk guitar quite the way Bert Jans has, and I still think he's at the top of his game. I think you you don't know what you're talking about, Jim. You sound like a like you've never heard folk music before. I ain't no folk. Understand? Folky. I ain't no folk. The innovation buddy. that this guy has brought to the form. I mean, uh, he yeah, totally yeah, yeah. transformed it. I'm, I'm as bored with uh, strumming guitar players singing earnest uh, protest songs in, in, in the in the coffee house as you are. But this guy took it somewhere else. It was there was a mystical vibe to it, a, an Ooh. acid vibe to it, and uh, <laughs> you know those blues and jazz influences. I mean, he sounds like two or three guitar players. I think that's the uh, antihistamines talking because you were suffering from a cold today. Antihistamines are not, the Black Swan is a beautiful record. And uh, the accompaniment on this record is wonderful. The young musicians defer to Jantz, uh, but at the same time, as you can hear from Morton's voice there, Noah Jorgensen's uh, production, the beautiful cello playing on the title song. This is a, a, a wonderful little folk record and a great introduction to Bert Jantz. For anybody who has not heard him, uh, you, could, you couldn't do worse than uh, start with this record. I, I think it's a buy it record all the way. I'm sorry, but it's a trash it record, Mr. Cobb. <laughs>
6: tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Just the cast away,
2: I you lost at sea, oh. Now I'm stranded on my own. Stranded, far from home. Come on.
5: Do you remember? We were shipwrecked together.
1: Stranded, I'm the far from home. Stranded, yeah, my own.
4: Right, it's that time of the show to pop a quarter in the Desert Island Jukebox. Jim DeRogatis has been crowing about this selection all day. He hasn't told us what it is yet, but he claims that it is the greatest Desert Island Jukebox of all time. Right? Or, or at least this week. Yeah, right, this I, week. I, no, because I,
6: I ain't no folky. I just said it. I denigrated Bert Yonch's record, but I like the idea of freak folk. However, this movement out of New York, Devendra Barnhard, Animal Collective, Espers to some degree, calling themselves freak folk, man, they ain't freaky enough me. Devandra Bonhart would be James Blunt if he didn't smoke so much pot. You know, I'm going to play for you, Greg, the freakiest folk music of all time, the epitome of psychedelic folk, a group that has influenced Robin Hitchcock, who's going to be in our studio in a couple of weeks, all manner of twisted, psychedelic, freaky people uh, ever since. They played at Woodstock, but they were so freaky, they didn't make the movie. I'm talking about the incredible string band. This is an interesting story. There were two guys named Mike Heron and Robin Williamson who hooked up in the mid '60s because they were doing this beatnik thing where they were kind of hitchhiking and and walking across North Africa, and they they met up. They were both incredibly talented multi instrumental folk musicians coming from the same scene as Yannch, mixing Scottish and Celtic folk musics with Eastern European drones, ancient musics, new musics, being inspired by Dylan, being inspired by the old bards, and they. Came came up with something that I think has never been equaled in rock history in terms of sheer and utter freakiness. There were large amounts of LSD involved. <laughs> there was communal living. There was, you know, free love and all sorts of weirdness there. In fact, both guys eventually wound up bringing their significant others into the band. One was called Licorice and the other was called Rose and it was as a quartet that they played Woodstock. They put out a couple of records produced by Joe Boyd who was coming off the success of Fairport Convention and the first Pink Floyd recordings. Mm-hmm. So Boyd knew how to get the folk sounds, and he knew how to get the freak sounds. And I think the two have never been better, freaky and folky, than on the Incredible String Band's best album, The Hangman's Beautiful Daughter. I'm going to play for you a track called the Minotaur song. You know what a Minotaur is, the classical beast, as Williamson, who, i got to say, has a vocal that's sort of like a slippery eel. (laughs) It spans two or three octaves and rarely is ever in anything resembling tune. But it's just that there's no voice like this ever. The Minotaur, he's as nasty as it can get. And the reason is he's suffering from insomnia. He can't get any sleep because his horns get in the way. And there's at one point where the song—I know exactly what he's talking. The about. The song yeah. breaks down, yeah. and and you hear the <laughs> minotaur going moo and snoring, kind of, and trying. He's like waking himself up. I mean, this is the silliest, weirdest, bizarrest. And and Williamson sings, you know, I'm I'm half bull and I'm half man. And you, and you got you got to see the cover. Here's the album cover because they're all like hanging out in the woods, clearly stoned out of their gourds and ready to eat some bark. <laughs> I mean this is just this is freaky folk this is great this is the Minotaur song on sound opinions from the incredible string band straight
0: from the shoulder I think like a soldier I know what's right and what's wrong knows what's right and what's wrong. <laughs> I am the original discriminating buffalo man, and I'll do what's wrong as long as I can. He'll do what's wrong
2: as long as he can.
0: I live in... In a labyrinth under the sea, down in the dark as dark as can be, I like the dark as dark as can be. He likes the dark as dark as can be. I'll even attack you or eat you whole. Down in the dark, my bone mills a roll. Porridge for my porridge boy. Forage for his forage soul I'm strong as the earth from which I'm born He's strong as the earth from which he's born I can't dream well because of my horns He can't dream well because
6: I love that he's the original discriminating buffalo man and he'll do what's wrong as long as he can that's that's free folk
4: you're completely off your rocker
6: that's great
4: oh my god I love that song you know what if that was released this year I'd have to make it the candidate for our annual Thanksgiving turkey shoot no oh. uh, but that's coming up next week those are the records that we most anticipated this year thought very highly of before they were released had high thought, hopes Yeah. very high hopes and ended up going down in flames we're going to bounce that off, though, Jim. It's not going to be a total bummer. We're going to have our annual holiday gift guide. CDs, books, anything under the musical sun that you could possibly buy for your music-loving friends for Christmas. We're going to have some suggestions for you next week. Yeah, so some of the best and some of the worst. But speaking of the best,
6: Sound Opinions is produced by Todd Bachman, Matt Spiegel, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn, our beloved team. We get technical help from Joe Disso, legal assistance from Dino Armeros, uh, literary aid from Barbara Lynn, and our session with Perubu was engineered by Mary Gaffney and set up by Ilka Pardinas. Tori Southside-Malatea is our executive producer and fearless leader, and Jim Russell is our man at American Public Media, and the other Minotaur that you better watch out for.
0: <laughs> In the drawing room, a group of suspects gathered. The detective has solved the mystery. Ladies and gentlemen, the butler did it. (laughs) You'll never catch me. The butler darted to his getaway car. But
2: what he didn't know
0: is this is a Nissan sales event ad. Wait, what? And his car is no match for the detective's Nissan Rogue or its standard VC turbo engine. Save on one of your own at the Nissan Thrill of the Drive sales event.
2: Now get 0% APR financing for 36 months on select models. Availability is limited. For well-qualified buyers, 0% APR financing for 36 months available on new 2023 Altima and Pathfinder when financed through NMAC. Must take delivery from new dealer stock. 36 months financing at 27 78 per month per thousand financed. Actual down payment may vary subject to residency restrictions and NMAC credit approval. Not all buyers qualify. Dealer contribution may affect actual price set by dealer. Contact dealer for details. Offer ends 2-28-23.